Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for the show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. So I can deduct my haircuts? Yeah. Yeah. I can deduct my haircuts. Totally. Totally. Because the only reason I don't have long, beautiful, blonde locks of hair (laughs) is I didn't realize it was a tax deduction. All right. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, let's talk about a couple of things. One is... True story. I had a ponytail in graduate school. Okay. True story. Good to know. Good to know. True story. Good to know. First of all, you're not, not, of course, asking about my Elon Musk interview, but it went rather well. He said a lot of crazy things. Was was Uh, he on Sway? Did he come into the gay club? Yes, he did. Yes, he came into the gay club and we danced all night. It was great. It was Uh, How'd it go? What do you... Okay. Uh, A lot of stuff. He was talking about the the election. He hasn't decided. He wants to wait for the debate. He hasn't decided. Indeed, he has not. Because he just, there's just not enough information to know I don't know. About he wants two. to wait for the debates. He wants to Vice see if Biden is all years. there. I think yeah. the quote was, he no. wants to see how Biden does. Yeah, it makes uh, sense to evaluate someone in that setting. Did he say anything about, I'm curious, what is, did I told, I you you always ask me, this is your dirty secret, what should I ask these guys? And I said, ask him about Virgin Galactic. Did he talk about that? He did not. He sort of was like, they're fine. He was glad they were doing it, but I think right. he feels like he's in the cap. And then we talked about Neuralink, which I thought was the most interesting part. Really? Say more? Um, well, he was talking about like a story that he had read, an essay about meat flaps, that we are, we, we are, we are flapping our meat flaps, essentially. Um, and that, that it was an essay about, the, you know, another being coming here and saying, I can't believe they're made of meat essentially, that, that, we, that we need a faster way to communicate using AI and our meat flaps are, not, are too slow, our lips are too slow, and our hmm. meat tubes, which is our throat, is too slow. And so, you know, you just compare it, if you remember that movie, Her, uh, yeah. where the, the, the computer got Joaquin bored Phoenix, with her voice. Yeah, she got, she got bored with, the computer got bored with Joaquin Phoenix's slowness. Oh, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix, and so he says me. we need to be faster. So he wants to put in an upgradable chip into our brain so that we can keep up. And and because we're made of meat, because we're a meat, a meat species, a meat species. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm wondering if if the real objective is for us to slow down, but it's it's no. An he wants thought. to speed up with his chips, and they would be upgradable, like in, like you get an iPhone one, an iPhone two, that kind of thing. So um, so that so that we'll not only never be in the moment, we'll never be in the microseconds. We'll just keep cycling correct. and then, we need to and then move, freak out. We cannot move fast enough with ten fingers, our meaty fingers. Anyway, secondly, the judge ruled on TikTok ban from the App Store again. This thing is just a morass. I don't know what else to say about it, Scott. I don't know. What do you think? Well, we just continue to cement our notion that we're this Joey Bag of Donuts 
uh, economy. Like, oh, we're banning you? Oh, wait, uh, that's illegal. Just kidding. Okay, who threw my fundraiser? You get to be the tech. Po- it just mm-hmm. this isn't a way to run an economy. No. Um, you know, the, the world has felt so many emotions toward us since World War II, envy, anger, resentment, you know, envy. And, and now the primary sentiment is pity. Pity. And we just continue to I pity evoke. the fool. We're the fool. Yeah. And uh, this notion that we're supposed to uh, take seriously what our leadership says about banning something, and then they wait for the Chinese to blink, they don't blink. And then what do you know? They say, well, you, you should have never said that because it's illegal. And there's these... Well, it's a 11th- badly crafted... Po- it's not even policy. It's just some yeah, executive no fiat sense. that Stephen Miller is writing somewhere. It's ridiculous. Like, we have to get incompetent people out so we can actually make something called this quaint thing called policy that we yeah, use to decisions. make. Yeah, and this agreed. is not the way to do policy. And again, this will this will drag on, as we said, until after the election, and then we'll see because it's November twelfth. So, I don't think it's going to be top of mind to the Biden administration to obsess about TikTok at this moment. But they should obsess about Chinese uh, hegemony in the internet. That's my feeling. I'm using the word hegemony a lot. Hegemony. You're hegemonic. Hegemonic. Speaking of your hair again, <laughs> yeah. big story time. Undeniable big story time. Yeah. Yeah. The New York Times has acquired President Trump's tax returns. Not all of them, not everything, but quite a lot. After years of speculation, the Times finally acquired Trump's tax returns, showing that he paid a total of $750 in taxes in 2016 and in 2017. And in the 10 of the previous 15 years, Trump paid no taxes, reported losing more money than he made. He was using these loss carry forwards, I think that's what they're called, in in an accounting term. He's also in a decade-long battle with the IRS about a payment they gave him back, which I don't believe they gave him money back. Uh, As he said, they're idiots for doing it, and I agree. Uh, But they're in a battle to get it, to claw it back. He also seems to owe hundreds of millions of dollars. The Times said 420. Others are saying a billion dollars to who God knows who. Uh, this is a guy who's just, you know, as the, as my grandmother might say, Rob Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. Uh, what what do you think? What do you think? And do you think it'll have an impact? So I, I think there's, I, I think that there's deeper takeaways here, and that okay, is, good. if you think about, as I get older, what I realize is, as a younger man, and I think a lot of people do this, it's easy to conflate luck with talent. Mm-hmm. And if you look at if you look at the cohorts that have produced the most millionaires and billionaires in America, it's people from real estate and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, does real estate and entrepreneurship attract a smarter, harder working breed of person? And I don't think that's it at all, although we'd like to think that about ourselves. Uh, what it is is that the game is tilted for those two industries. If you look mm-hmm. at the tax policy around real estate, there is no other asset class. If I bought $100 of Apple stock and it keeps going up, I can't depreciate it 3% a year. Right. You can do that in real estate. Real yep. estate generally over the long. Too bad. If you, I agree. I think it appreciates, smart. but for tax purposes, we can depreciate it. Right. We can, if I sell that Apple stock at a gain, I trigger a taxable event. But with exchanges in real estate, I can sell a $500 million property. And as long as I roll it into another like-kind property, it continues to grow tax-free. So we have decided that people who go into real estate and people who own real estate are a favored a favored cohort. And then with entrepreneurship, we've absolutely done the same thing. And I've taken advantage of this 1202, where if you're a shareholder in a company for longer than five years and has less than $50 million in assets, you get the first $10 million tax-free. And right. that just, that, that makes absolutely no sense. None That's supposed does. to encourage yeah. encourage starting companies. I don't know anyone who started a company knowing what the tax rates are. But 
we have sort of rigged and tilted the game. The other thing that's obvious here is he's engaged in massive tax avoidance. And once you start Possible making- fraud. There's a lot of flim flammery going on here. Well, that's the key distinction. Is it tax avoidance? Tax avoidance, anyone who makes over $100,000 a year engages in. Mm -hmm. And that is there's this entire industry, uh, kind of the rich industrial complex of tax avoidance professionals. They come up with ideas and and encourage you to be aggressive around your taxes. That's tax avoidance. Apple right. does it. Right. Any wealth, yep. almost any Jeff wealthy Bezos person does, does it. it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that's bad. But that, again, you don't need to reform the individuals or you don't even need to reform the IRS, you need to reform government who can simplify the tax code. If we, it's it's just striking, Kara, you could go 0% federal income tax up to 50,000, call it 20%, 50,000 to 500,000 or a million, and then go mm -hmm. 30 or 40% for anything above a million, mm -hmm. and you'd get approximately the same tax revenue. Mm -hmm. And instead we make it so Byzantine and so complicated such that the more complex it is, complexity is a tax on the poor because they can't afford right. the time or the professionals to navigate that complexity. So massive simplification around tax reform well, here's is, the thing. Desperately is, needed. You're right. Tax avoidance people do. And that's what you would say Jeff Bezos is doing. But he, this feels full of flim flammery, like the, the Ivanka money that you were joking about the haircuts, which yeah. may actually be a a fair deduction for him because it is his brand. Um, the the moving around of money, saying he did he sold something to take a loss and then not and then getting shares back. There seems to be like nine hundred instances of possible fraud here, like tax fraud. And I think yep. there's so many of them. Yep. You know what Wesley Snipes went to jail on like one thing, and he said he like one tiny thing. And so there seems to be at least a dozen examples of possible fraud. And really drives me crazy is, and I, I do think this will have an impact on the voters. This 750 was a very smart way for the Times to to push it out. Like he paid no taxes, you didn't, and it and it may be because of fraud, not because of because of tax avoidance. And and it was interesting, Rick Santorum went on on one of the shows. He they should take him off permanently off of all these shows because he's such a like ridiculous, like thoughtless person. I don't uh, think that's true. I, like I, do. I, I don't like him. But, but he yeah. went with the, oh, so what if he avoided taxes? How in the world can someone talk? Who pays for the military? Who pays for the, this is not a selling point is it's great to get out of taxes because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who pays for the fire people? Who pays right. for the, Agreed. like, stop it. Stop it, you fool. I'm sorry. And so that to me is a really losing argument. I do think people do resonate is he, if they push in this, he didn't pay taxes and you did, that's one. And he thinks you're a loser for paying taxes. And secondly, uh, where's the fraud here? And that's more after, post this whole thing. Uh, it gives really insight into the influence that others have on him. And then secondly, post this thing, he's in legal trouble here from a tax point of view. Uh, and that's how Al Capone went down. That's how a lot of people go down. So you, you're, you're bringing up the key distinction, and that is there's tax avoidance. You try and write off your haircuts or flights that were personal, not professional. And the IRS tags you, says, no, you're full of shit. We're going to find you penalties plus back taxes. That's tax avoidance. Mm -hmm. We have a system for, for, for rectifying that. Unfortunately, the algebra of disincentive isn't strong enough such that people have become too motivated to be too aggressive around their taxes once they get above a certain income level. But what you're talking about is tax evasion. Mm -hmm. And that is saying, claiming, claiming to one party, this is how much money I've made. This is how much this asset yeah. is worth such that I can borrow against that asset and then turning around to the government and giving an entirely different set of numbers. Yeah. That's fraud. Yeah. The other thing that I think is more frightening Invasion. is when you look at when you look at Donald Trump, there's a decent chance if he is not a reelect reelected that he could go broke. 
There is a decent chance he owes Deutsche Bank $400 million, who's the largest investor in Deutsche Bank, the Chinese. Mm -hmm. If you look at who has financed, we still can't figure out who's financed all these ridiculously bad business deals. He's arguably, if, if money is a decent metric for your business acumen, this individual has the worst business acumen of any individual in the last 30 years. So that mm -hmm. puts us, that is a national security risk. The yes, first thing exactly. you do when you're interviewing, really the game. when you're interviewing to be a spy, they're like, okay, who do you owe money to? Who are you fucking? Everybody. Who, who are, do you care about? And, and then they yeah. reverse engineer those links back to uh, actors who might Indeed. not have our best interest. And they say, where do they have leverage? And the reality is his obligations, his financial situation, his contacts, his constant business dealings post the presidency all point to one thing. If the guy isn't a Russian asset uh, overtly, too many bad actors have leverage on this guy. Yeah, there's a lot of people. It's not just the Russians. It's like you know, everybody, well, every everybody oligarch, seems all these to licensing and royalty deals from these oligarchs. banana it's republics. Like a lot of people. It's like, how did that happen? A lot of people. And what's really interesting to me, there's two things that I was fascinated. He made a lot of money from the, uh, the apprentice. That's where he made, that's what he was trying to avoid the money. He mm. made like $500 million real money that he earned through the apprentice. And that was impressive. But then he yep. tried to shield it that, that that's where he made money. And then he put money into all sorts of crazy schemes. It's, it was fascinating how much money he did do well on, on something that was built on fakeness. Yeah. So his image of the apprentice was built on his business acumen, which sucked, but then yeah. he used it to leverage it into other things. And, and, and then he tried to stop paying money. He should just pay taxes on his, on his, it, on his apprentice money, which he didn't want well, to do. Well, he has. We just pay taxes overseas. He just doesn't pay taxes In any case, that's where the money was made. That's where he really did, like, $500 million. Well, That's he's, a he's pretty Kim good He's Kim Kardashian, nut. but not nearly as good-looking or talented. Well, right? he's I, famous I for being she's famous. not doing a lot of these things. So she better not be, at least. And then the second part that was really interesting to me was not just the deductions, because those are just like, ah, oh, you're kidding me, right? We can, we can argue those all day long. I, mean, I think the Ivanka one looks funny. There's a couple that look funny, like the kids in the, in the beautiful house that was owned by Jean, Eugene Meyer that they said wasn't a home but was a home and was mm -hmm. like misclassifying things. That stuff the IRS always gets you on, like always gets people on. But yeah. I think it was it was the 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 idea of of how many people are into this guy for money. I think you're right, 100%. The loans, the and and that he needed to run for president in order to increase his marketability. That's what he was doing. That's what he was trying to do and that he won by accident essentially, like without he was tr doing it for other reasons and then he won and so he decided, "Oh, I'm going to move my little grifty circus over here to try to take advantage of it." That, but what would you do to stay in office including well, incredible exactly. criminality? He's got to stay in office now. He's if got you lose, to. if you lose, it He's might going mean to jail. that you yeah, it might it might mean that you're broken going to prison. Well, so and his what children, would you do? And his children. And that's really what the the story is is that and even if he stays in office, they're going to get him. They're going to get the kids. They you know, these this the the dam has broken on on where it's going. And you know, if I was the, you know, think about the New York uh Southern District, there was a lot of people who were ex-prosecutors and they were like, this fraud, this fraud, this fraud, mail fraud, this fraud. They were like this is good. This is good stuff that's right here. And so I think that's really where it is. His children are now under, will he throw his children over the wall kind of thing, so to speak, speaking yeah, of Yeah, I don't walls. think it's Bernie Madoff. Supposedly the deal with Bernie Madoff was, was uh, Letting he his tried to off. orchestrate a, a kind of a, a drama at the end to make sure that the government said, okay, the kids were not involved. I don't think Trump would do that. I think Trump no. would absolutely send um, Tiffany to prison before he would go. I yeah. think he would. That's a terrible thing to say, but I believe it. I think he would too. And so that's what's, I think they're going to be in 
They can try. See, here's the thing. And by the They're, way, there's no evidence that Tiffany's involved here. Right. I don't want to say there's, that. I don't. <laughs> they can try to keep Sorry, an Tiffany. office. The only thing that'll work is if he wins and he can manage to pull off a dictatorship. Now, he's been pretty incompetent at writing, even though he's done innumerable damage and done all kinds of dictatory things. He's not very good at being a dictator. So can he pull off, become a complete dictator before the law comes for him in taxes? I'm, I don't think he can do it. Let's go on a quick break and come back to talk about Amazon's new home surveillance drone and the friend of Pivot, Stacey Cunningham, the president of the New York Stock Exchange. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, welcome back, Scott. Have you paid your taxes, by the way? I have. Uh, wait, have I? just I? paid a yeah. lot of taxes. I, so, I got to yeah. tell you, I just paid a lot of taxes. Yeah, I spend way too much. There's too many people. Uh, I spend way too much time on taxes. We need tax reform. And you know what? It's a yes. source of stress, right? right it it's like, Speaking of stress, yeah. Amazon introduced their newest home gadget, the Ring drone that hovers around your house looking out for disturbances. Amazon announced the product at their Echo event last week, and the internet exploded with privacy concerns and questions, obviously. Unlike conventional security cameras, it roves around the home 
autonomously in the air and can be looked in on by Ring employees. Uh, but Amazon Devices SVP David Limp told The Verge, I'd be more worried about a camera on your phone than I would be about a drone. Now, mm-hmm. oddly enough, Elon brought this up and I, he didn't know about it. And he was like, it's so amazing that if, if the government did this, everyone would be up in arms. And Jeff Bezos is running around saying, I'm just going to put a drone in your house. Like, he's, what do you think of this? I think it's awful. Well, I, but. See, I, I empathize with it because I actually have drones running. Uh, I actually have this technology in my house. You what? I have, I have drones oh, I that run, roam around in. my house. They're called Gangster and Zoe. And when there's danger in any room or not, they go Is, in and check it out. Are these pets? And when and when these there's, they will uh, they will alert the neighbors and the whole neighborhood at four a.m. when there's no danger by okay. barking. Yeah. And not only that, there's so zero dumb drones. There's zero emissions drones because Gangster eats Zoe's shit. So there's absolutely <laughs> no emissions. <laughs> <laughs> but then, anyways, the notion I thought when it first came oh, out, man. I thought when it first came out, I don't know about you, but I thought they meant a drone that kind of that kind of um, circulated the circumference or flew around the circumference of your house house outside. Yeah, that's all right. I'm all right. Maybe if you have a compound or something or you want to make sure that your kid doesn't go in the pool or- Where where the shooters are. Where the dogs, whatever. (laughs) Is there a strange car there? Okay, I get that. But roaming around your house- I know, I know. It's just- But I, I, you know something? I think they're very smart. I don't think they have any intention. I think this is the equivalent of the microwave with propellers. Remember the Amazon microwave? why do it? I remember, I mean, I- Because we're talking about it. Yes, I know. But why do we want to talk? about this like i get the drones delivering things at first everyone's like they're gonna fall out of the sky with your packages and gonna kill people like yeah that i was like okay that sounds a little dangerous but okay i can I see it that. i can see that okay sure whatever walmart whatever. is droning rapid tests within a mile uh, granted it's only within a mile of their las vegas walmart and it's a, a total press release let but, them try that out yeah. try not to kill people if they kill people yeah. they should be sued out of existence that's fine let me, this is just, What do you think of this? What's I going on I want to be in the, me- I don't know. I'm like, I want to be in the meeting where they said, okay, we're going to release this. Like, <laughs> who was in that meeting? What I was said? Who, they better took notes from that because I just want to be in that meeting where they're like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And and someone didn't go, what? Huh? So I'm in my den on my Roche-Bavois Mahjong couch <laughs> smoking a spleef and a drone comes rolling in? A drone comes rolling in with a camera? Well, that's going to make me drone. relaxed. I'm going to buy you one for Christmas. I'm going to follow that's you That's going to be relaxing. I mean, the whole thing is just, I don't have any cameras in my house. My what son has that? unplugged them all. Uh, that We have a nest in this house that we bought. It was here. It. But he unplugged everything But what's the use case? Do you understand? What's the use case here? When does it pay off? What's the when payoff? When you're not home. But then they get a sense of your home. So I don't like that either. Like if someone can hack into it, they can see the inside of your home like and case it. So I don't like that either. And this way, instead of like a static camera, they can really case it. Let's go over here. Let's look over here. It's like a creepy person like hovering around you. So just really hovering. I just don't get I just, it at all. What, do you, what does this tell us about Amazon's product ambitions? Yeah, but I, what Amazon has is Amazon has such cheap capital that they can try crazy shit. I, so, for example, Amazon has filed patents mm-hmm. for a floating warehouse. So, okay, an fine. airhouse that floats in the sky. Now, sure. that is, is— He loves far, to float things in the sky, Jeff Bezos. Well, That's his it, thing. Based on my, my eighth-grade physics uh, class, that is, what's the word, impossible— but not only, but there are there are journalists trolling the U.S. Patent Office to see what interesting patents Amazon always files, and they write a story on it. And then, and then they actually filed a patent for a defense mechanism against projectiles to attack the floating warehouse. These are both patents filed by Amazon. Mm-hmm. And my sense is, when you have this kind of cheap capital and you have a bunch of young people that like to 
play with toys and do interesting things, they're willing to try stuff. Also, it, the, the thing, the only thing I took from this mm-hmm. is they see Ring and the home as being a big strategic initiative. Okay, and if right. you think about it globally, if you think on a macro sense, the commercial real estate business is a multi-trillion dollar business in the United States. We're going to spend between 10 conservatively and 40% less time in the office, which means you're going to have somewhere between a half a trillion and $2 trillion in stakeholder value transition or morph from commercial real estate to the home, mm-hmm. which means we're going to be spending, think about all the money spent on security in office buildings, right? So it, it makes sense that Ring yeah. should be a strategic office initiative buildings. for them. This would work for office buildings. I'm fine with that. They already have, like, this would work for office buildings. Fine. Right. At night, sure. You know what I mean? Not during the day, but at night, sure. And you know you're being tracked, with whether it's your email, ding, 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 whatever it is. Right. That makes sense. I just, I, I literally, I just want to be in that meeting, Scott. I just, Do you? I'd literally like to be there and say, what the fuck, scream, what the fuck, like, throughout the entire meeting until they stopped. That's what I would like to do. So let me ask you a final question, and then we're going to yeah. get to our friend of Pivot. Yeah. What you expect them to, to stay in this device area, right? Would you would you put this in your home? What would you put in your home? What would oh, you, see, besides not, your, your badly as, behaved pets? Um, I'm not as, I'm actually getting a rapid test today, and I'm all for home stuff. And I have people, we have people in and out of our home mm-hmm. all day. So I'm not, a, I'm not a privacy person. People get freaked out about privacy. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think Ring is really interesting technology. What I'm more about is not, I'm not as worried about the companies. I, I'm worried about um, good government that appoints thoughtful judges who who regulate these things. Yeah. And so for me, I think it's really interesting when companies do interesting things. I think this is interesting. I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to get one, try it and just try and understand oh, what really? is the payoff here. I'm not having them in my But home. the thing that bothers me again, is not that Amazon needs reforming. It's the DOJ, our judges our privacy regulation. We need yep. to resource the regulatory body so we can make good decisions around what's legit and what isn't I and where the data goes. I just don't I just, I, look, it's, I don't know. What, they look at it, my things. They know enough I about me. I, I, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was the onion when I first read it. I did too. It was weird. Was you know joke. what? Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to get this thing and it's going to be in your home and you and I will try it because I'm not putting it in my home. There's no way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I still don't understand it's the It's like payout. a Roomba, but evil. Yeah. Right? Is the Roomba now dangerous? Am I should I be worried about? I don't have a Roomba, but if one had one, <laughs> the Roomba, the Roomba, it's it really is. You know what? I we know what I need. I need a Neuralink in my head so I can beat the drone in my house. Does that make yeah. sense? No, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I'm. I don't think we want stuff in our would brains. Would you put? You would. You would you put? I would completely. You put something in your brain? Absolutely. Huh? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if there is. I mean, it would make sense, right? We have stents that go in brains mm-hmm. sometimes to train liquid. We have pacemakers. Right. It makes a lot of sense that we're probably at some point going to have stuff go in our brain to help with. Uh, I think the next application will be epilepsy or seizures. Yes, that's or what stroke. he was talking about. He was talking about seizures, people that can't walk, brain injuries. That's where he's aimed at. Obviously, yeah. it's going to move on to people so that I can do instant jujitsu. Like without learning it. Jiu- oh, doing by the jiu- way, by the way, oh, uh, it was going to be my what? win. Speaking of instant jujitsu, have you been watching Cobra Kai? I'm going to. We're oh, going to get to it. Let's get wonderful. to it. But it's first, wonderful. we're going to move on to a friend of Pivot. Okay. We have Stacy Cunningham, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, here to talk about the IPO landscape. Welcome, Stacy. Thanks. 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 Thank you both for having me. All right. I'm letting Scott lead this one because he's Mr. Stock. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, Stacy. nice to see you. Thanks for being here. 
So NYSE, big brand. And I remember uh, learning that the biggest difference was that it was an auction market versus a NASDAQ as a dealer market. Not that I know what that means, but give me the pitch. I'm on the board of a company that is that is about to file its S1. Give me the pitch for NYSE versus NASDAQ as a listing public company. The, the biggest difference is we trade stocks differently. So every company that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange yep. has somebody who's accountable and responsible for overseeing trading. Right. So they have a market maker. And that that that's a real differentiator. What it leads to is better market quality, which means cost savings for investors and cost savings for the company anytime they're they're trading their own stock. You see that especially during periods of volatility. What we layered on top of that is we bring you into our network and our community. Mm -hmm. We have 75% of the S&P 500 listed here. We can use our brand and visibility to amplify your message and get your message out there. And then we have a whole set of tools to help make you a better public company because, as you know, Scott, it's not so easy to be a public company. Well, let's talk about that. A lot of companies have decided that it's not only not easy, it's not attractive. And the number of public companies has declined dramatically. Why do you think fewer companies – why are there fewer public companies? What do you think the primary culprit is? So I, I think that's a great question, and it's an important question. There's another question that I want to touch on after that. It's not just so much why, but what does it mean? Mm-hmm. So ha- what's what's the downside to that? So one, companies have access to money in the private right. markets now um, in ways they didn't historically. Yeah. So when you think about the reasons a company would choose to go public, it traditionally it was primarily driven by a need to raise money. Mm-hmm. And then secondary or tertiary reasons were having the visibility of a public listing to attract new customers or investors, also to have the liquidity for early investors and employees, or currency to engage in M&A. Because there's so much capital in private markets, you're seeing more companies waiting yep. longer to go public. And the, the drivers to going public now are not about raising money and more about those other reasons, especially in a lot of the tech companies that are looking to, they've been paying their employees in in stock or options for several years. Their employees want to buy a house. Yep. They need to go public to be able to actually have that liquidity. So that, that's been a big, a big driver. One thing that I think is important that we talk a little bit less about is so what? What are the downsides of companies being public, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not not being uh, mm-hmm. public as quickly? And really, there are three things. And the, the first one is most concerning to me. It contributes to the wealth divide when the fastest growing, the fastest growth years for a company are only Capture available that, to yeah, a few. 100%. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's you know it's really tragic that the the U.S. markets the capital markets our system our capitalism has mm-hmm. really been built on a dreamer an entrepreneur can come start a company and grow and that's okay it, but it's it's a story of shared success if it's no longer a story of shared success I really do think it changes the fabric of our nation second there's a lack of discipline and governance in the private markets yep. that doesn't it really gets introduced by the public markets and so if companies grow much bigger. Their bad habits grow alongside them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then third, there's just a, a valuations in the private markets aren't based on a lot of buyers and sellers coming together. It's the based on the opinions of a few so individuals. Fantasy is what you're talking about. At, at times, could yeah. be fantasy. Right. You know, there's a few people with not as much information as you would get in the public market. So those those reasons, you know, the fact that those things uh, are downsides, I think we really should recognize as an issue for for our 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 country because I do think there that that's a trend we need to swing. Right, 2020 speaking, is helping reverse that. Speaking of trends, all these direct listings it's not a new thing, but you know, you have the Palantir direct listing, Airbnb it looks like it's a direct listing. Talk a little bit about how that's changed and then of course there are SPACs which I'd love you to to get into. Yeah. But talk a little bit about the direct listing. What are you what are you expecting from these direct listings? These will be bi- these will be big public offerings. Yeah, they're not and they're not, well not they're not not offerings yet because right. <laughs> they're not selling right. shares. 
right. but public listings, right? right? And these aren't unrelated topics. If a company is staying private a lot longer, mm-hmm. and now there are very large public companies, they can start to ask themselves, if I'm not going public to raise money, do I have to do an IPO, mm-hmm. right? If an IPO is all about raising capital, why should I do an IPO if that's not why that's I'm going precisely public? precisely what they're asking, yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and Barry McCarthy, the CFO of Spotify, was the first one to ask that question to really say, I want to be a public company. I want the liquidity and the currency and the visibility, but I just want to the market to determine my valuation and not have it be artificially constrained. Mm-hmm. And By in an IPO, bankers and their friends. Yeah, their allocations go to a handful of people mm-hmm. and then there are lockups. And so you really don't get to a mature state for a company for several, several months before you start to see with uninhib- uninhibited what are buyers and sellers how do they value this company? And with a direct listing, you got to that point much more quickly. Both Spotify and Slack, interesting fact, uh, were were two, at the time of their listings, the top five largest opening trades in the history of U.S. markets as a direct listing because all buyers and sellers could come together at the same time. And they weren't the top five largest companies, but there was a real interest in finding that price discovery at that process. So yes, Palantir has said they're going that route. We actually have two two direct listings scheduled this week. What with the next step, the next innovation we're, we're uh, layering on top of that is what if you do want to raise money? So the direct listing decoupled capital raising from being public. What if you want to do that at the same time? So we filed with the SEC to introduce this change, uh, capital real raise. change, right? This yeah, it's a real change. change. Explain that for if you're a tech company, why you would do that. So you can conduct a primary offering as a direct listing on the stock exchange. How if does you that want the change? market, it, yes. what it changes is is your it's not being an alloc- it's not an allocation that's going out to a handful of people. You're letting the market determine your value. And why would be is this because of a request or you see just you see where the puck is going? They don't want to. They consider it like a a, a a a prostate exam. A lot of them use that term with me. Well, you're, all still, you're still filing all. You're still filing you audited like financials. Thing, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I'll be honest. Anyway, you're still filing audited financials. It's cost of capital, Sorry. right? Yeah. And you look at that first day pop. Yeah, like, and, him. and a lot of companies. Him, a lot of companies see the uh, the first day pop and think, well, great, it's 100%. That's a great IPO. Well, not if you're the one that sold it the night before. Yeah. So they right. want the market to to help eliminate some of that, that first day pop. Uh, talking a little bit about governance, isn't a manifestation for a lack of governance or to get the governance light and meanwhile have the retail, retail investors, have the branding event, have the currency? Isn't the thing that has filled that void SPACs? Because it strikes me that SPACs are just an attempt to reduce governance, reduce scrutiny, just add water IPO. And traditionally, SPACs have underperformed the market. This year, they've overperformed. Aren't SPACs a canary in the coal mine? And gonna Isn't this story going to end poorly? The, the SPACs of yesteryear are different, very different from the SPACs that we're seeing today. Yep. And again, companies are still filing audited financials and going through that process. If you're if you're going to be a public company, you have to be comfortable with transparency. Yep. There's, there's just no way to avoid that. Uh, rightfully so, right? That's what makes our market so great. When you when you look at how companies are evolving, they're asking themselves the questions, what's right for me? And I don't think that direct listings or SPACs are going to replace the IPO, but companies are going to choose the way, the path to public that fits their needs. A SPAC gives you more control because you're negotiating with one counterparty right. and figuring out what, what the value is of your company and agreeing to those terms. A direct listing reduces your cost of capital. And an IPO gives you the process of and the experience of sort of the tried and true process. And many of the companies like the idea of being able to have some control over who their shareholder base looks like when they first list. And what it, when you look at the market, it feels like there's a lot of canaries in the coal mine right now, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, multiples on earnings, whether it's companies rushing to the public markets, 
This feels like, I think we've had the biggest market for the biggest, the greatest amount of money raised through IPOs in September in history. Right, does, yes. Does aid, I realize it's difficult for you to make market commentary, but I'm going to ask you to make market commentary. This feels like a top or feels frothy. And how does that impact an, a, a business like the NYSE? How do you insulate yourself against a potential you know, serious, serious um, correction that makes people lose faith in the markets. Do you, when you go into your boardroom, do you say, all right, how do we put in place some guardrails or some, uh, you know, looking looking at what could be a pretty ugly scenario here if some of this froth or some of these bubbles begin to pop? And related to that before, why is the stock market continue to perform well during the COVID-19 yeah, situation. Yeah. So, so all great questions. And I, I will say from a business standpoint, we've been around for 228 years. We've seen all sorts of market right, conditions and all enough. sorts of market events. And, and you know, that that's so we old is your, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that market conditions are not that they don't have that set, that level of direct impact on our business, right. right? Trading trading becomes busier, and we're a diversified business, and so yeah, there are there are different aspects of our business that pick up during all, all conditions. Importantly, you talk about the level of number of co- companies coming public, and I do think that this pandemic has showed the value of the capital markets. So we talked a lot about the fact that companies are staying private. When when the going got tough, a lot of the companies in the private markets had to raise money at much higher costs than right. the companies in the public markets. We saw businesses that were negatively impacted by the pandemic, like the airlines or hospitality industry or restaurant industries, be able to raise money very quickly and very efficiently back in March and April. Mm-hmm. Over $120 billion has been raised to date on the NYSE through through fo- IPOs and follow-on offerings. Hmm. So many of those companies had been had been private are looking to take advantage of the fact that they should get public because they're not quite sure when when the next downturn might be or how long it might last. I think it was a little bit of a wake-up call and it sees we're seeing the pendulum swing the other way. With respect to, you know, resiliency in the markets, certainly that's that's something that we focus on to make sure that investor confidence remains high. And, you know, it, it is great to see the level of retail engagement that that is in the market because I do think it's important to, to share that success. But at the same time, we want to make sure they're educated because it's not well, a good thing. You just if asked re- the Robin Hood question, which the Scott's, Scott and I talk about a lot. Is like, is it being unduly frothy because of that? Well, we need to make sure that retail investors understand the risks, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, this has been a, a bull market for so many for for so long, with the exception of a very rapid downturn in recovery in one year. The markets don't always recover that quickly, yeah. so we do need to make sure that there's an educational experience going out going on, so retail investors aren't it, it, the ones that end up holding the bag because they weren't able to recover quite as quickly as professionals. Is there a worry about the difference between, we, we talk a lot about there being the stock market economy, which Donald Trump points at all the time, versus the Main Street economy, which you can just look on the streets, stores closing. Uh, you know, in my street, there's a dozen stores that closed, jobs, everything else. How do you square that circle? That you know, square, How do you put that into perspective for people who don't have stock, don't have stock, you know, I think we we look at the indexes and we see them as a proxy for the market or sometimes falsely for the economy. And they're really based and heavily skewed by a handful of large tech companies mm-hmm. that have performed well. Right. So if you're if you're trying to get a, a a pulse on the overall economy, looking at 
at the broad-based indexes really isn't the best way to do that. And then some of those small businesses aren't reflected in in mm-hmm. the stock market at all. Or people. So, or people. I mean, exactly, exactly. And so I, I do think it's important that when we put our energy to how do we how do we recover, we are focused on the small and mid-sized businesses that aren't necessarily reflected in a market that's that's forward looking. And the market tends to be optimistic that maybe not in six months, but in a year, we we can start to support businesses again in a more normal, you know, there's there's a view that things could return quickly if we start to, to see uh, enhancement, uh, improvements in fighting COVID-19. Stacey, you're, 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 I thought your initial comment was so um, relevant to our society, and that is that when, you know, Google went public after a few years has shot up, I don't know, 20... Uh, Bedillion. A lot, all right? I and now it feels as if companies are staying private so long that the majority of that value accretion is sequestered yeah. to mostly white, mostly already wealthy people, that this is a trend that really, really, um, unfortunately, accelerates income inequality in some of the most, you know, some of the most frightening. You know, there's a reason that black and Latino families' households have $20,000 in net worth, white families 150000 and the dynamic you described is only going to make it worse. And And then I look at the NYSE and I see, okay— this is a global brand. You're probably one of the hundred most recognized brands in the world. You're not one of the hundred biggest businesses. Isn't there an opportunity for the NYSE to get in the business of secondary sales with private markets and try and democratize some of the some of the opportunities to invest in private companies? Because they're popping up everywhere and they don't have the credibility, they don't have the brand, they don't have the technology that the NYSE could bring to it. It's a fantastic question, Scott. And it's one we talk about a lot. It's an obvious area. Of, of growth for the NYSE. My concern is if we don't need the protections in place in the public markets for investors, why open up the private markets in a way that that doesn't provide equal access? And we believe in democratization of access mm-hmm. and providing more opportunity for investors. Salesforce, I'll give you a stat, is up 5,600% from when it went public in 2014. Right. That growth happened in the public markets for anyone else to participate in. If we If we focus our energy on providing more access into the private markets, we're not really opening it up for everybody else to participate in. And so really in, in addressing some of the risks and concerns around the public markets is a way to get that, that access available to, to, to people more broadly and to the, the demographics that you're describing who are, who are left out at times right now. And I, I think that is concerning. We look at the evolution of the markets and things like SPACs and direct listings uh, SPACs in particular, are a way to get companies public sooner mm-hmm. and get out to the markets sooner. And that, that's why, you know, we actually didn't list SPACs in 2017. Mm-hmm. They, they, we, we adjusted our listing centers and evolved for what we're seeing happen in the market, much like we with tech companies. I mean, many people don't realize that the New York Stock Exchange didn't used to allow companies to list that weren't profitable. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, just process that so and think about that. So you're over and under on SPACs? Scott and I are starting a SPAC. You no, start a SPAC? Well, you get, you're in Everyone good company. You're no, in I good mean, company. There's a lot, there are a lot of that. We're, we're honest over and under. We're buying Quibi. Things. I don't know if you've heard. Yes. We're buying Quibi. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, we're uh, not. I, I, think, I think there's an opportunity to continue to evolve the SPAC mechanism to bring more companies public. I don't think they, they will continue to look exactly like they look today. Okay. I think we're going to see an evolution in what the fee structure looks like and how, well, I think I think across all of these ways to going public, you're going to start to see a bit of a blend. And I, you know, I certainly tech companies are are adopting some of these mechanisms now, and we're we're 
you know, we've we've been welcoming all these companies to the New York Stock Exchange for the past 15 years and having a lot of conversations around how do we how do we continue to evolve our our markets? And frankly, tech was one of them. I mean, we we, we didn't used to list tech companies, and now 70% of tech proceeds are raised NYSE. Stacy, they want what they want. You give them what they want because they deserve more. That's how well, you should no, do Well, no, I think I think it's it, it's Jeez. how do we start to solve problems, yes. right? How yeah. how's the world evolving? Let's recognize it, let's disrupt things right. and innovate. Last question for me, and then we have to go in a second, is China. All right, there's the there's the Shanghai market, the increased tensions with China, impact on the New York Stock Exchange and the Nasdaq. What do, what do you think that is? I, I I would go broader than New York Stock Exchange or Nasdaq. I if you think back in time, Amsterdam was the this financial capital right. of the world, and then London was the financial capital of the world, and now New York is. We can't take that position for granted, and we need to recognize the fact that our markets are so strong because we balance investor protection and investor access. If we start driving companies elsewhere, we might lose that position of, of gravitational pull. So we need to solve the, the problems around investor protections, but I don't think we should be too complacent about the fact that, that we're always going to be the financial capital of the world. All I don't right, know, Scott? Stacey, you're the CEO of Dayton Hudson. You need to launch Target, and it's in the private markets. All the action now and all the money, all the value, all the spling, fling in the bling, all the splash in the cash has happened in the private markets. We need you, Stacey. Bring, come to the private markets. Come to the light, Stacey. <laughs> Have you seen 2020? They're making my case for me. All right. Yeah, oh, 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 oh Stacey. All right. Oh, she just got you, Scott. Let me just tell you. Oh, wait, 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 wait no, I'm sorry. I got to interrupt. Is the, does the NYSE, the movie set that for CNBC, does that shit ever open again? <laughs> yeah, it is open. It's been open since Memorial Day. Oh, really? We, we've, yeah, we were only open. Uh, no, we were closed for a few in. weeks. It feels a little COVID. Yeah, we have sure roughly 300 in like soon. when I said that. I think I said that here. I yeah, think it feels yeah, you a did little say COVID-y. that, Kara. I did. I will tell you, I, I, you can come in and watch as they as they clean this place down every single night. But we have roughly feels... 350 people that come in here every single day since Memorial Day and and right. no, no COVID outbreaks. So. I don't know, Stacey. It's the safest place I come. And frankly, actually, there's a really interesting- airplane, but- there I was a really know. interesting study that an academic did when the floor closed because they saw that the trading quality was not as good no. when right. the people weren't involved in the process. Right. And there were some academics that ran studies. So we're committed to the floor. Yes, it's a, a useful marketing tool, but it also means stocks trade better. Do you have good masks that you could give me? Maybe I'll come. Yes, we have, have it all. one with like a They stuff. have it all. They have it all. All right. If you have good masks, maybe I'll come back. But it, certainly before I go to Scott's house, that's for sure. There we go. Anyway. <laughs> I've got a drone. Right. I've got a drone flying around. No, I, I know you do, Scott. It's the safest place I come. I'll well, give you actually, that. Well, actually, New York, to your point, Stacey, New York is supposedly the safest big city in the it world is? right now. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seriously, we've been open since Memorial Day. Everybody wears their masks. Everybody social distances. And we've had no problems. So yeah. I, I think it's a, a sentiment, a, you know, a good testament to how you can come back to work safely. Good. Yeah. Okay, you, I'm Stacey. coming to New York this weekend, so maybe I'll stop by. Come visit. No, I'm getting married, <laughs> Stacey. I'm not going to come visit you. I, I want to get yeah, married on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Jim Cramer, no, we get that, Jim we get Cramer that will marry you. Yeah, it ain't happening. Let me. I'll get oh, divorced God. a minute later. Let, let me just tell you, that's how that'll work. Anyway, well, congratulations. Thank you. All right, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. You're very sassy. Great to talk to you guys. Thank you, face. Stacey. Appreciate it. Thanks, bye. All right, Wait, 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 hold on. Hold the phone. You're getting married this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This weekend? Yeah, yeah, in New York. Well, all I gotta wedding. say is, you know why? You're you not know invited, that, neither is anybody else. Just my family, because just your we have family? to. We have to get married because of the adoption and stuff like that. Well, and you know it, the only difference between a gay and a straight wedding, right? What? The parents are crying at both, just for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs>
Come on. <laughs> oh, That's right. good gay straight wedding humor. <laughs> we can humor. discuss it. It's a Lucky, COVID wedding. I want to see what Lucky's wedding. wearing to the wedding. Oh, God. It's a COVID wedding is what it is. But we're going to have a big one that you're both going to get invited to next year. A big one. A big-ass wedding. A real one. Nice. But we can't. Anyway. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Scott, wins and fails. I know you just asked me about my you wedding. Yes, go. I'm having a COVID wedding is what I'm having. And just a small one with just the family. We don't want anyone to die. It is outside. It is a tiny group of people. And then I will have a big one next year where everybody can exchange air with each other without masks once we get the vaccine. Thank you. And you'll be invited. You know, you'll be doing the serving at the, at the, real, at the big wedding. I'm in. You'll be doing the bartending and things like that. But. I'm in. You know, I love to dance. I'm a great dancer. You know who thinks I'm a great dancer? I don't think you're a great Vodka. dancer. Vodka. <laughs> Vodka thinks I have amazing rhythm. That is, you've used that joke oh, before. It never gets Just, old. It gets it old. It never gets old. It gets old. super friggin' old. I can't old. believe you're getting married. That's what you good for you. you can't believe. What do you mean? That's nice. I'm a marrying kind of lady. I'm That's a Sadie, nice. Sadie married lady. That's what I say to me. Anyway, yes. Yes. We, we, we shop for rings, Where are you registered? Can I make lesbian jokes? No. Oh, okay. No, You're you not can't. registered at Subaru of Hong Kong Coma or oh German Shepherd Rescue. No, you know what? You know what? Keep going. <laughs> Keep one more. You get one more. <laughs> one more Those lesbian were pretty good. wedding goes. Those were pretty good. I had a Subaru many years ago. I do not have one. Well, that's anymore. a I don't shocker. have any car. No, that's a shocker. No, I had it pre. No, and I had Harry it when I was throwing a out stereotypes. All right. Vox like Media a- HR. Yeah, on speed okay. dial. Yes, exactly. Listen to me. It's fine. It's fine. I, you know, I couldn't marry you, so I had to get married to someone else. That's well, how I never feel. know at my uh, age. You know, I'm you thinking know. about it. No, you're not. Never is going to happen. Listen to me. Wins and fails. Failure would be Mrs. Scott Galloway as Kara Swisher. I love your wife. Right? By the way. She's amazing. She's a long suffering oh, person. Yeah. Oh, her. She's long suffering. <laughs> okay. Here's the deal. My, I'm going to do. Uh, uh, there's not a fail around Amy Coney Barrett nomination. I think the Democrats has to tread very carefully with this particular nominee um she's uh, it's really fascinating to watch all the um the the people who are fans of hers who do not agree with her that is fascinating she's obviously brilliant i think a lot of people say that i do think they need to focus in they will fail if they focus on her they need to focus on healthcare lgbt stuff uh whether healthcare is going to be overturned and abortion that's where you focus not on the person on the topics thank you even more specifically, they've got to stay away from her face, and that yeah. is, uh, you know, they we're have. Ni- they have. Yeah, it's but that's that's a bear trap to anyway. Link. Well, the right is trying to say that the Democrats are going there, but they aren't. They're just yeah. making this fake thing on it. Yeah. Um, so I do think there's a lot there to if you're talking about health care and uh, taking away your health care, taking away your right to an abortion uh, that has been in for a long, long time. Uh, so I think that's where you go. You don't talk about her because she's clearly someone who is well-liked at Notre Dame and someone who seems to be walking the talk of her faith. And, yeah. you know, she's a tough, she's a, it's, I don't like them calling her ACB though. I think let's just have RBG and, and 
letting her keep that. And we can make up a new nickname for this justice if you like, but we'll see. It's going through no matter how you slice it. Yeah, and 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 if you think about real strategy here, I think to even focus on her. See, the Republicans are just so much smarter than us. The Republicans never got into a debate about Merrick Garland. They mm-hmm. didn't talk about him. What they said is they went straight straight to we should not be we should not be appointing a lifetime appointment when we're thirty three days away. And I think the only thing you can do right now is to, ninety days is okay. to support um, uh, Mark Kelly. He yep. could be potentially seated and have mm-hmm. an impact on this. And I also think the other thing you could do is, is it Jamie Harrison who's running Jamie against- Jamie Harrison running against Lindsey Graham. Oh, is immediately that would be sweet. Is to, is to go online and donate or um, uh, express your support on social media right away for Mark He's Kelly close. and Jamie Harrison. Because Jamie specifically, because I think we need to send a lot of, uh, you know, you do need at some point need to send a message to- Senators such as Lindsey Graham, that integrity does mean something. I know. What a suck-up he's become. Uh, he was always so, a suck-up, though. Honestly, I've always thought of him as a suck-up. But he just sucked up to a person we liked better than this person he's sucking but it's, up to. it's won or lost by, uh, in the Senate. And that is, if we can show enough, if we can show enough reason for another, another Republican senator to say, all right, I'm not doing this, um, then that's your only chance. But if you if you argue, I think, on her merits, um, I, I don't, you know, my understanding is she's a legal scholar. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me put this way, we've done worse if you're just right. talking about legal scholarship. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be... Anyways, It'll be interesting. It's gonna be, It'll be, be interesting. She, be I, interesting. I was thinking there's just, there's a lot here. And I think there, this tax thing might sort of send that. It's so interesting. Like we just go from one thing to the next. All right, your winner fail very quickly. Uh, my win is Cobra Kai. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful. I love kind of from Supreme Court to Cobra Kai, <laughs> which is a Karate uh, Kid reference for people yeah, who don't and know. It, it's it's one of those intergenerational media. It's so hard to find. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Umbrella Academy is another one. Uh, Lost in Space is another one. But things you can enjoy with your kids. It's usually you know you're watching the Emoji Film and want to put a gun in your mouth. Or you're watching Game mm-hmm. of Thrones and they can't watch it with you. But this is both, and it Wait, just takes. Did they come back good? Does Cobra Kai is bad? Cobra Kai is wonderful. What are you talking about? It's wonderful. No, Co- Cobra Kai about? is the bad studio, not the show, but the group of people at Cobra Kai. Oh, don't spoil not- it for me. I'm only on season two. All right. But okay. I, it's, it's, it, it has a resonance for me because I right. was raised by a single mother in Tarzana and don't I recognize all the streets. Me. And it's, it's also, it's unexpected. It's not, it talks a lot about, about, you know, perceptions aren't always what they seem. It talks about uh, a kid who kind of comes off the tracks as an adult and, I th- mm-hmm. I th- it's, it's really nice. It's really well done and fun, and my kids love it. And, Good. I'm going to watch it. Nice. The original movie, Cobra Kai, was the bad. Daniel yeah, they was were the, the bad. One. They were the they were. But he's kind of the protagonist in this. The it's complicated. Guy, they're complex. The All right. Yeah. Okay. They're complex. And it's I just mean, good they to see. Were. It's just good to see Ralph Macchio working. First oh. off. He and Tom Cruise, whatever uh-huh. they inj- are injecting lamb cells. Yeah, he looks I mean, good. The guy looks 19 and he's 58. He I've always liked him. Yeah, he's very likable. Like, he seems like, like a nice I've man. I've always liked those. Those movies were just very Wonderful. important to me growing Pat up. Pat Morita. Yep, that was a great movie. It was really lovely and it was just- Elizabeth Chu, Leaving yeah, Las Vegas, she one, was, of the, yeah. one of the great there films. There were lots of fascinating people. Lots of, yeah, she was the girlfriend, I think, if you remember. Yeah. In the cool car that you drove. Anyway, okay, that's a good one. Do you have a fail? I don't have a fail today. All right. Uh, okay. All right. Do you have any predictions about Tuesday's Trump-Biden debate? We don't usually do them. But Other do than you, you and I are going to have indigestion. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I go to this club called the Ocean Cannot Club. fuck up. Uh, where it's like the average membership is, I don't know how old they are, dead. And <laughs> and I saw one guy run over another guy with his walker, and they started getting into it. And I'm like, I said I said to the people with, I'm like, that's the debate. Yes. That's that's what we're coming to. <laughs> that's the debate. That the Tuesday night, here it is. All right. What would you do if you were Biden? He cannot screw up. This is like 
literally. I would stick to his. I would just stick to a series of talking points. I wouldn't even cannot fact I almost, check. Trump. I almost wouldn't even just acknowledge him. I wouldn't even. Right. I would almost pretend as if he wasn't there. Oh, interesting. And just do a series of talking points about integrity, about the middle nice class. Nice guy. I'm the nice old guy, you not know, the crazy old lunatic who doesn't pay I would taxes almost, I would here. almost like just pretend he's not there. Oh. Because I, I'm, I'm, I got to be honest, I'm nervous about the whole thing. The nervous. Whole thing. It is. I don't know if I can watch it. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah, I, agree. I think he It'll should not fact check him in real time because that will be the entire debate. I think he should just say his piece. Healthcare, 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 your rights. This guy's crazy. That's, you know, and he doesn't pay his taxes. I, I'd throw that in there. I'd throw a few, you know. Few of those punches in. Few of those things. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think? I'm nervous. I'm nervous because Trump will do anything. Like, right? He might start yeah. to throw the podium around. He might try to hug Biden. What if he tries to hug Biden? Like, I, who knows what he'll do at this point? Like, right? He'll try mm -hmm. to touch him for sure. And then Biden has got to like have to run. I mean, the whole thing could be super awkward if he tries stuff like that. You remember how he creeped around behind Hillary, Hillary. Clinton? And Hillary's yeah. biggest regret when I interviewed her was I should have turned around and said, you creepy fuck, get away from me. Right, which she didn't, and he could do that. He could try to try to re physically touch him. That'll be a problem, and he's got to figure that one out in his head. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. Who knows? Who knows with yeah. Trump? He's he certainly spends a lot of time public, so he's used to it. And he's the thing is, he's not preparing, so he feels like he's Rocky from one of those movies where Rocky didn't prepare and made fun of everything, and then he got shit kicked him. I think Biden's preparing, so it could be that too. He's too arrogant. He doesn't think he needs to prepare for Biden. I think he does. Anyway. Don't forget, if you have a question about tech, hacking, or the election, please email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. And Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Fernando Finete engineered this episode, and Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. If you like what you heard, please download or subscribe or check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. Please recommend us to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Gangster and Zoe, zero emissions, eating each other. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.